Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the double sleeping potion day of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who knew not to trust the, the Dementors if Dumbledore told us not to trust the Dementors. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-host BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? Did we need did we need Dumbledore to advise us on that point? Was there any ambiguity beforehand about whether we could trust the Dementors? I mean, it depends how much you ascribe to a rose is a rose is a rose, um, whether the Dementors are a bad thing in the world. They eat souls for breakfast. It's what they enjoy. This is a person that makes their living off kicking puppies. I mean, they probably taste good, but... Maybe it's like a polyjuice yeah, I mean, potion. You never know what you're going to get until you start sucking souls. <laughs> um... I was going to say, I don't know that, that where the double sleeping potion Spencer looks surprisingly awake. That That is true. You do look well-rested and ready to go, Spencer, and it's really freaking me out. So There is a necessary amount of fiction that I used to carry in my life, particularly when I had a business call earlier. There's actually no awakeness here at all, just sheer adrenaline. <laughs> okay, perfect. We can, we can proceed apace then. <laughs> so here we are on uh, chapter 36, I believe, of... The mm-hmm. fourth book of Harry Potter. The chapter is The Parting of the Ways. The book is The Goblet of Fire. And we have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid fire recap, BJ's Wizard Wheezes, Newbie's Notes with Spencer. We award house points. And then there are questions and queries and qualms and quibbles. And I don't know, we're in the back three, two, we three. We are on the penultimate chapter. Is this the penultimate yeah. chapter? Hot. We're there. Damn. So clearly, no questions. Everything's explained. I'm really. <laughs> really sad that i don't think i made that joke about the last book when we found out about tom riddle's diary you did not in fact mention that there was a penultimate chapter no mm. and i'm really sad mm. about that well bj you can't you cannot win all. i, of- I don't have a time turner <laughs> so i can't fix it but this is really one of those scenarios, BJ, where you've reached a moment in your life before you will never get that moment back. Mm-hmm. There is no opportunity that will ever repeat. There nope. is only loss. So just sit there in your grief and deal with it. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Sarah, I think we have segments we do, right? Yes, we do. I did, in fact, list them, but we should get to them. Um... <laughs> oh, no. Do you have a recap to rapid fire at us? And if so, as Spencer says, do you have a bet? Should we get to our segments? Yes, I think we should. Okay. Um, So we will start with a rapid fire recap, the second to last um, of this whole book, which still seems wild to me. I can't believe we've already gotten here. (laughs) Um, Spencer, do you have your stopwatch ready? Stopwatch is ready. Uh, What is your approximation for how long this is going to take? So it's a lot going on. There's a lot lot going going on. on. A lot of... We do learn... A lot of things, although we don't really learn enough things for the length of the chapter, I believe. We have a lot of summing up, as sometimes happens when Harry has to report back to Dumbledore at various points throughout these books. Um, but I'm going to... how Spencer, do you happen to know how I'm doing on points at this moment? Um, okay. Unless you decide to go on about a 12-minute rambling monologue, <laughs> you're on good odds to get your bonus points, and even with your regular points, you're looking solid. Okay, um... 
then I'm just going to wing in a prayer two minutes on this. I, I would take a standard bet of 155, but I don't, I don't know. So let's just... <laughs> Under- so, so next chapter we have a sorting hat spews <laughs> for the recap to look forward to because you have the points and you can use That's it. That's right. I will do precisely <laughs> precise calculations as to how much extra time I can use on my recap. I will actually do the math before the next chapter. You will have precise terms and existing points and time you Excellent. need. Excellent. All right. Are you ready? I, we'll see. Dumbledore takes Harry upstairs and sends Snape to get Fudge to question Barty Crouch. Harry is completely numb on the way up to Dumbledore's office where Sirius is waiting. Dumbledore takes over, recounting the story while Fox comforts Harry. But Dumbledore needs to know exactly what happened in the graveyard, wants Harry to purge it out of himself. And so he does, with Dumbledore holding Sirius back at the appropriate moments. When Dumbledore talks about the blood protection Voldemort got, Dumbledore almost seems triumphant, but it passes quickly. And then there's the connection between the wands and Priori and Cantata. Because both wands have feathers from Fox, they won't work properly against each other. When forced into battle, one of the wands spits out its last spells, including, in this case, reverse echoes of those Voldemort had killed. Harry continues with the story, and Fox tear heals his leg. Dumbledore, satisfied with the story and praising Harry for his bravery, is about to send Harry to bed with a sleeping potion when the Weasleys troop in. Dumbledore takes off to meet with Fudge, and Harry takes a potion for a dreamless sleep. Uh, when he wakes, he's still surrounded by Weasleys, but he can hear Fudge and Snape and McGonagall arguing in the hall. They burst into the hospital wing, followed by Dumbledore, and it quickly c- comes out that Fudge brought a Dementor with him to question Crouch, and it promptly administered the Dementor's kiss, sucking out his soul, and certainly rendering him, him unable to give testimony. But it doesn't matter, because Fudge has decided Crouch was simply insane, not acting on Voldemort's orders. In fact, despite Dumbledore's protestations, Fudge is unwilling to believe Voldemort is back at all. And he seems to have been reading Rita Skeeter's articles about Harry, and believes him to be unhinged and untrustworthy as well. He refuses to listen to any of Harry's information or the details about returned Death Eaters. He's only worried about about the destabilization of their fragile peace. Dumbledore cuts through the bullshit and says that if Fudge accepts Voldemort's return now, they can repli- replace the Dementors, reach out to the Giants, and try and get ahead of the game. Fudge is having none of it. After a long back and forth, Snape hauls up his sleeve to show the clarity of the Dark Mark, a sure sign of Voldemort's return, and he still refuses to believe. The parting of the ways. Before he goes, Fudge gives Harry his winnings from the Triwizard Cup, which are important to Harry. Dumbledore immediately starts gathering supporters and issuing orders, including Sirius and Snape working together for the time being. The room starts to clear out, and Harry tries to give the gold to Mrs. Weasley, who in turn tries to tell him that what happened to Cedric isn't his fault. Hermione slams something against the window, but Harry has taken another sleeping potion before we find out what. Oh, that was... Hmm. I am glad I did not Not bet anything on that. So we have two minutes, ten seconds, and a little bit. Yeah, two ten fifty three. Well, it's fine. fine. You, you got you got a you got a cushion, and there was a lot going on in this. Perfect. One. Well, yeah, there really is a lot uh, a lot going on in this chapter, and a lot of like separate conversations and pieces of conversations with people moving in and out. So, hmm. mm-hmm. BJ, I've wheezed, and in, am in fact still yes. still wheezing. What would you like to wheeze about? Uh, you did a good recap of the recap. Thank you. Thank um, you. This is the and... one of three different recap chapters we get in the, in the final chapters of this book. <laughs> um, so I have two sort of minor wheezes. You know, as we've discussed so many times, the back parts of the books aren't um, entertaining in many ways. And um, the, the writing is a little bit more heavily edited, I think, than the action parts of mm-hmm. the books. Um But there is something very interesting that you guys don't have in your versions of uh, this book that I have, um, which I'm going to wheeze about a little bit. Um, 
Apparently, nine more than 9,000 people <laughs> highlighted numbing the pain for a while will make it worse when you finally feel it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, I love this thing because this hits me as, like, I am 14 and this is deep <laughs> uh, subreddit. Because, like, literally every single way we have of assuaging pain is used so it's not as bad when you deal with it later. Like, just all of the things in the world work as a, you don't deal with it when it's the most excruciating and it's not as bad later. It was one of those things where in the moment, I read that, and I, you ever know that moment when someone says something and you want to nod, but you catch yourself about halfway through it, and it's like, oh, wait, that doesn't make sense. Do I interpret this as Dumbledore being a dick, or that the book doesn't understand psychology? <laughs> I don't know why it can't be both, Spencer. <laughs> yeah, options. Um, yeah, but that is a thing. If you are just, like, blindly reading along, that seems fine. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, you know, you know, just rip the band-aid yeah. off kind of yeah. thing, you know, just get it over with. And it's just like, well, I mean, there are views of the world where you address trauma as it happens and quickly as possible and, and things like that. But but I don't know that this is like the, the, the way to go about it. And it's like, well, why don't you recount your story right mm-hmm. now rather than chilling for and so you know this but, is okay. a sort of i think that your point is absolutely right bj because of the intended audience for this this is absolutely an i'm 14 and this is deep moment because <laughs> the both real and valid answer is that dumbledore actually needs this information right now and can yeah. you just yeah. say like actually i'm going terry i'm going to need you to slow your roll and tell me all of this because we got shit to do mm-hmm. yeah um yeah this is important I'm sorry about this, which he does say later, which is nice. Like, you have done more than we yes. could have expected yes. of you, he, but... <laughs> yeah. and he, spe- he specifically phrases it that way, too, mm-hmm. twice when he's saying this. It's, all, it's very much about, this is exceeding what I expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we do have a slightly better one later in the chapter that has almost 12,500 highlights, Ooh. which is, you fail to recognize that it matters not what somebody is born but what they grow to be. I'm pretty sure somebody was watching Star Wars and got into like the Yoda like <laughs> method of putting sentences together right here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This is a little bit better. Um, I mean, this is Dumbledore, Dumbledore calling out Fudge and telling him he's an idiot, which, you know, is always a delightful thing to see C- in the world. Cathartic. Um, but I think it's really funny that like this is the sentence that that where twelve thousand people have committed to. I also want to know just how many people see some highlighting and highlight it because other people have highlighted it, so it's important to it's, highlight it. It feeds on itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also generally find that the um, the Kindle highlights are usually like the things you see monogrammed on a wall somewhere. They're very much those just kind of airy quotes, the ones that everybody highlights. Yes. Uh, you won't know this, Spencer, because you're 87 years old and don't interact with technology or social media well, but these are these are Very what true. is known as Instagrammable quotes. I'm vaguely aware that something called Instagram exists. Okay, well, that's... You've done more than I would have it, expected not, of you, Spencer. <laughs> it's not like candy grams. Oh, now, now I'm lost. I had hopes right <laughs> <Okay>. there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that's what I have. Like, I, I just... 
I'm sort of curious to see, um, and it'd be nice to pull out like what are the big uh, Kindle highlights once we mm, finish the mm-hmm. series. Like, mm-hmm. is there some sort of like reasonable progression, or are we still like fourteen and and? <laughs> yeah, that would that'll be a fun exercise to do at the end of all of this. I'm I'm totally down with that. Um, see if that's something we can scrape. Um, but that's all I have for now uh, because I'm not going to bore you with. Uh, some multi-semicolon <laughs> sentences this time around, um, and we can move into newbie's notes. Spencer. All right. Uh, just to repeat from last chapter, because I got to stare at it again while I was reading this, the mark of Voldemort is indeed legitimately terrifying, and particularly the art style even helps it look just really horrifying. So Yeah, it is a sort of like line-drawing tattoo, and I know it is sort of a brand or tattoo on their arm as well, but I think you're right. Uh Another thing, I also now, brief, we saw this a little bit last chapter, and I saw it again a little bit this chapter. I've got further reason now to understand why there is so much fan fiction set in the Harry Potter universe that is unusually horny, when they've got a spell that just instantly does S&M ropes that are surrounding somebody and then instantly <laughs> removes them. If that is a spell option, this is a very kinky world. If I was, I didn't even really ponder beforehand. Harry Potter after dark. I, I'm certain that's already a series in some way. Uh, I mean, you just do a little bit of word replacement and don't need to go far. Wandules, wandules. Um, now, while it, it is very particular, as, as I commented kind of beforehand, it is really, really interesting to see Dumbledore just utterly drop the facade of just being a doddering old fool, of just mm-hmm. completely leave his indifference behind. That when he is acting to task, when he's no longer trying to just stay behind the scenes, everyone immediately is professional. No one bickers, no one second guesses, no one stabbing each other in the back. All the usual professor interactions that we've seen before, professor interactions with students, are out the window. Because suddenly, we're all acting adults now because the situation demands it. And it's so stark, it makes for such an interesting chapter, because this is the side of Dumbledore that we've only really ever seen for brief little flickers when it was necessary. But now, he's making very clear that this isn't a role I'm leaving. The situation is called on me, and I will not put this hat down until it is over. I mean, this is kind of a very hashed over anime trope that I, I think is not as common in Western literature, where like there's sort of somebody that looks kind of old and decrepit that was a former master or whatever, but like something happens and it's like, oh no, they're like the strongest person in the room, have always been, yeah. and they're about to kick some mm-hmm. ass. Yeah. Yeah, the, the trope crouching moron hidden badass comes to mind to a certain degree here. <laughs> yeah. But it's to the scale, it's to the point, and I was honestly expecting them to walk out what he demanded of it, that Dumbledore got Sirius and Snape to shake hands. If you ever want a clear visual demonstration that things have gotten serious, the two of them at least willing to make polite in front of company is something I did not expect to see in these books. But also, it was a very, like, teenager kind of thing going on. It was really funny. It's yes, like, it was. well, you don't need to be friends, but you need to, like, shake and make up. And we're all going to watch you until you do it. Yeah, it, it, it was fun. Because Dumbledore didn't have to backtrack or didn't have to, you know, repeat himself or do anything else to adjust what he was saying with anybody else. But when he, when, when he said, I need you guys to actually make up right now, he immediately started dialing it back from where he started. It's like, oh, well, okay, okay, okay. What I actually meant was just shake hands. Publicly shake hands. And that'll be enough for now. I'm going to count to three. Mm-hmm. One, two, two and a half. <laughs> we'll have cookies we need to afterwards. We're like, getting near each other. <laughs> we'll do cookies. I'll take you out for ice cream. It'll be great. 
they eventually go along with it. I, I also really enjoy, this just again shows that Dumbledore's not even bothering with maintaining his previous uh, antics. He's not even maintaining the polite fiction that uh, Sirius is just here on grounds. That, point one, he just leads a giant black dog down the hall of Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he sort of does later, but it, he's just like, it's well trained. Leave me alone. <laughs> Wait, he doesn't even bother to hide it when Fudge walks in the room. And, you know, kudos to him. Fudge doesn't recognize it, despite there being an all points bulletin on this dog just a book ago. So, yeah, he's not even trying to say, ah, you know, I'm, no effort made to hide the fact that he's just openly protecting Sirius now. Things have no longer called for I got that. bigger fish to fry at this moment. Um, also really fascinating that he's good at delegating, but delegate some things that I wouldn't expect. Oh, like what? So, So, I mean, we have previously where you can just like grab somebody and drag them around. I don't see why Dumbledore isn't doing that rather than delegating this very, very, very important task in the world to somebody else. Didn't, didn't we have it with Peter Pettigrew where he just like, uh, they're just like, oh, like bounce along after me. Snape did that. I'm, I'm left with kind of two questions with it, where it could just be like rules of decorum of where he needs his second in command to show sufficient respect for the person that needs to be babysitted. But my question is, is that I looked back at this and when Dumbledore put Harry to sleep, which is a dark line that I don't mean to sound as dark as it is, but <laughs> um, when he did, he said, I will be back to see you as soon as I have met with Fudge, Harry. So my Hush question now. is... No more pain. <laughs> It almost seems like that, yes. But my question is, is that he isn't. When Harry wakes up, it's to the sound of Fudge returning separate from Dumbledore, who's off somewhere completely different. Do we have any idea where Dumbledore is? Should I be saving this for questions? No, I don't. Well, part of the reason, part of the problem is that it's it's actually super unclear how much time has passed when Harry is asleep. Um, because there there is a reading of this where he's sort of like nodded off. And this is really just mere minutes later. Um, especially because all of the Weasleys are still in the room. And, like, I know the Weasleys like Harry, but there's no reason to stay in the room with a guy who's just taken a sleeping potion unless you are still there. Mm-hmm. Barely. So, it, I, I, you know, it almost seems like it might be a sort of, like, um, Three Stooges routine where Fudges come in through with McGonagall and Snape through a different door when Dumbledore left the other direction. I, I mean... It's possible. So, so, I don't know. So what, so what really happened is that rather than going straight to Fudge, Dumbledore went off to his office to have a drink because he's had a rough day. And he, got <laughs> caught. he effectively got caught because uh, rather than going to meet Fudge directly, Fudge then just did a beeline straight for Harry. Correct. Yes. Correct. I mean, yeah, I, I imagine the shock of not recognizing Moody or recognizing <laughs> that it wasn't Moody, mm. like, has got to be doing something to Dumbledore's ego, which as we know, has got to be one of the largest things in existence. (laughs) He's got to collect himself. Mm, Just needs a a little snifter of something. It's Mm -hmm. fine. Uh, Um, One character that does not show up much in this series, but whenever he does, it just makes me happy. I love Fox. I really do. (laughs) I have no reason liking this creature as much as I do, but I'm really fond of this guy. You do do sort of light up whenever he... Makes his appearance. Is Fox the hero of the series? <laughs> He's done a lot. That is I mean, true. It, he also just casually, I mean, I mentioned it in my summary, but he casually heals Harry's leg while they're yeah. just sitting there. Um, it, there's even an implication. I wasn't just sure if this was just, you know, a positive mental effect from just hearing Fox. But when 
before Foxy just lays his head on Harry's lap and heals him with tears, the, just the mere sound of Fox's kind of warbly call immediately mm-hmm. yeah. improves Harry's mood and, you know, kind of state of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, seemed magical to me. Like, I did pick up on that. Did, like, that, didn't it? That, that didn't seem like, oh, it's comforting. This weird bird is, is making noises. It seemed more of like a that like whatever sound it was making was like actually soothing so i would guess that making phoenix 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 is sad like is soothing to people (laughs) and so the more you torture them like the better you feel in the world so you know if you just make them a little sad and they like cry a little bit so here's what we have learned is mm. that what we are actually witnessing with with Fox the Phoenix is a a scene of real empathy and the way the power of empathy in in affecting change in the world and then there's BJ. Man, Sarah, you just dunked on a so hard board. That is per- a perfectly accurate read of the scenario and BJ and I jaded misanthropes that we are immediately went well, that's no way that that's natural. Clearly, mag- a magical spell is being cast to explain this profound reaction from this Well, thing. I don't... BJ went to... You, Dispenser, you said some things, and I don't know about any of them, but BJ went to Phoenix torture as, like, a first step. I'm, I'm not, just saying I'm that that saying would that... probably be the most efficient method of Phoenix healing. I'm not saying that it should be employed. I'm just saying that that's a thing that exists in the world. Sarah, I would never suggest that BJ and I are on the same relative level, but there are times that we walk the same path, and it scares me. Okay. Uh, Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, my co-hosts. <laughs> Another example is we kind of referenced of Dumbledore just not playing around anymore is that every time previously that Harry has sustained an injury or a difficult moment, the kind of first thing that Dumbledore does is shelter him off somewhere quiet mm-hmm. and let him think and rest for a minute. And we seem like we're setting up for that until Dumbledore's like, no, I got to grill you right now. The world, it's, world is at stake. Which yeah. is so out of character about every time Dumbledore's handled this previously, where he's very much focused on the needs of the particular individual. He sells this as, as it's going to be good for Harry, <laughs> but as we discussed, it's also just really good for the world right now to get this information out as fast as possible so they can start adjusting to it. Yes. Yeah. Um, are we ready to talk about the insanity that is Fudge? Uh, yeah, I'm coming up on that just one second. It's going to be a couple notes to get before we get there. Um... Save, save that one for questions. Good on Ollivander to just keep Dumbledore in the loop when that wand got sold. That's a really wise and smart decision that if you know you're keeping around the pair of Voldemort's wand, you would want Dumbledore to know when that thing is sold to somebody, particularly when it's sold to an incoming student. Mm-hmm. So I should have assumed that he would do that, but it's also reass- really reassuring to now have it confirmed. It's also interesting that this isn't in like the vault of useful weapons to have, against Voldemort's return. Also, why don't we have Voldemort's wand? And I think I asked that before. But anyway, sort of as a, like, maybe not Godric's sword kind of thing, but like a, if Voldemort comes back again, you really want to have this wand because this is the wand that you need to duel him with. Yeah, can we talk to Fox about mass-producing these things? (laughs) Because, you know, if they get a lot of these wands out there with these feathers and they just nullify Voldemort's wand, that'd be useful. I'm just saying we're, we're harvesting feathers from the phoenix. I'm not okay. saying we're plucking this chicken live, but <laughs> and again, you could get some straight. tears at the same time. <laughs> oh God, damn it, people! Don't say this to Fox. I like him. Uh, 
We're I, not going to dip him in, in ice cold water first to shock the feathers off of him. Like, you know. Yeah, that is a real world thing. Forgot about that. I mean, Thank well, because it wouldn't be boiling water because he's already on fire. So. I'm going to move on to talking about Barty Crouch because for please some do. reason that's actually less less offensive. Please, um, please do. Well, just to reference Barty Crouch, is it perfectly reasonable? Did you guys, having read this, have the same belief I did that Fudge knew exactly this was going to happen and intentionally did it just to clear up a possible loose end to leaking to the press? In terms of having the Dementors just murder this guy? I, I interpreted not... this as a conscious deed on Fudge's part to maintain, you know, the polite and ordered society. I mean, we've we've had this never ascribed to uh, motive to something that can be, uh, evil motive to something that can be explained by mere stupidity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really hard to say that this is not, he, he is not participating in an evil. I mean, this is, this is more of like yeah. the, um, maybe an institutional evil. Um, I mean, like if we were to reference like Batman, like Voldemort's Joker and fudge the mob. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he knows he's doing something that's basically evil at this point. It's just a different evil, maybe slightly less racist, but evil nonetheless. It will be very interesting to revisit this question specifically in the next book. Okay, I'll, be, I'll make a note of it then. Um, as for Fudge himself, I there have been times I've vaguely had hopes for this guy that, BJ, like you said, that he was just doddering and a fool and like a peacetime mm-hmm. commander, as the way I referred to him before. This is one of the moments that we see that, no, 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 for the sake of his own advancement and position, he's actively malicious. He is willing to let the world burn tomorrow so that he can rule today. And that is a side of him I didn't fully predict. I thought previously that he was just not really seeing the full picture and was worried about the present moment. I didn't see the scale of it until right here. And I didn't ever really ponder. Dumbledore just kind of throws this out, that there's also a racial element to what Fudge is operating on, too. We've discussed the idea that Wizard Society itself has a lot of profound racial issues. But several of the problems being directly driven by Fudge having a pureblood bias... Mm-hmm. is a bit of a relative re- re- revelation of a statement that Dumbledore just kind of casually inserts in the middle of the conversation. And yeah, and just he because also... he's not... Go ahead, BJ, I'm sorry. Uh, this is going to be separate, so go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, this is... Uh, just because he's not doing a sort of Voldemort Malfoy nonsense about, like, we have to eliminate all muggle-borns and like actually we could get rid of some muggles while we're at it etc etc that doesn't necessarily mean that that bias and its ramifications are not there and being institutionalized through fudge and through the ministry that he has selected exactly to your point right does anybody talk about institutional racism and and its prevalence in harry potter i mean i can't imagine that they haven't but yeah this, um, this is Dumbledore kind of calling that out to a certain degree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was going to bring up is we talked about this a little bit a really long time ago, but we sort of have confirmation that uh, Mr. Weasley is being held back because mm-hmm. he has an affinity for muggles, which yes. is crazy as a, like, not only is Fudge willing to do crazy things for power and is doesn't like muggles but also anything to do with muggles in such a manner where you have somebody who's presumably incredibly competent because like we have a lot of information that that, like leads us to that Mm -hmm. but like he's not been promoted presumably for this reason yeah yeah 
Very much so. Yep. We, you know, I think exactly, you're exactly right, BJ. We get a lot of like very small, through very small moments, we get a lot of insights into how the ministry has been run for the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. And point of contrast to that, I loved Dumbledore setting out his three-point plan for fighting Voldemort, at least mm-hmm. for the things they have to do now. Mm-hmm. Because it just shows what an excellent strategist that he is. It's as if he's cribbing Voldemort's notes from his evil speech he did a, cha- a couple chapters ago. Mm-hmm. Of his immediate is, okay, you gotta deal with the Dementors because obviously they're gonna back Voldemort. And two, mm-hmm. you gotta extend the Olive Branch to the Giants because if you don't give them an alternative, of course they're gonna back the one guy that lets them return to the world of, civilized, of civilization. Yep. Both those are perfectly accurate for what Voldemort says. We're going to turn to the Dementors, and then we're going to turn to the Giants in terms of his, his starting points for his evil plan. Yeah. And Fudge just won't even hear them because it would be bad press. Quintessential politician that he is. The other thing that, you know, incredibly bad press is Harry started listing names that are their Voldemort supporters. It's like, oh no, yeah. we already cleared their names. Like, everything's fine. And, and at, like, at a certain point, Snape is just like, no, you idiot. Like... Uh, mm-hmm. you know, two points on that. I love this, his first justification for why it's obviously not the Malfoys is that they're an old family and they've made excellent donations. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's, that's, that's really glowing evidence right there. Great. And then on Sna- Snape, I was really impressed with Snape this chapter because, well, we can see what respect he holds Dumbledore in and how much he takes this scenario, this situation seriously, that he's willing to use himself as evidence of mm-hmm. the situation, how bad it is. Mm-hmm. That he's willing to, you know, show his mark, his ultimate shame, to the president of the country for the sake of trying to convince this abject fool that the scenario calls for your attention. Spencer, would you call that? Work. Would you call that a, a body of evidence? <sighs> Sarah, I tr- I expect this from BJ. I didn't expect it from you. That was well, really well done. But <laughs> stop. You're both brilliant. Stop it, though. It hurts me. Um, We've just been waiting for you to call us brilliant, Spencer. We can stop now. I mean, maybe you can, but... Well, um, I'm easily pleased. But I'm not sure I can stop. (laughs) So what what has Dumbledore done that put Snape into his debt in this matter? And, I mean, I have theories. I mean, my theory would be that basically Dumbledore saved him from Voldemort's clutches when something happened there and basically rehabilitated him into society. But Snape doesn't like anybody or anything, let alone, I mean, he clearly doesn't particularly like Dumbledore in -hmm. many ways, but in a very weird way, considers himself a stand-up member of society. And so something's going on here. It almost seems like in this game, I wonder what, to what degree it's, he's in the same category as like a Hagrid of where Dumbledore's the one guy that will always speak for him. That regardless of his history, regardless of the fact that he is carrying the mark and has just a personality that everybody else finds repellent, Dumbledore's always got his back saying, I trust him, he's good at his job, he stays, no further discussion. So th- I mean, that can earn you quite a bit of loyalty, even for somebody that is as prickly as Snape is. Yeah. I mean, but like going so far as to show his dark mark is a pretty crazy thing in the world because Mm -hmm. presumably that's something that I would guess he's kept under wraps. Yeah, I don't think you go around telling people about that, really. Well, the other people that don't know, but but also just a, he probably has never shown this to somebody that doesn't have the mark. And so... Yeah, there's one thing to know that he was a Death Eater. There's another thing to show you the, the pulsing evil mark of Cain that's on his arm, which... 
Fudge straight up recoils from. Um, yeah, even on top of Snape, one other character action that I find really fascinating is just a single line from Dumbledore, which should not come across as intimidating as it is, but I had the exact same reaction that Fudge did when I heard it. Of hearing Dumbledore say, I shall act as I see fit. Fudge treated that as a coup, and I almost had the same intake of breath when that happened. He's like, oh no, he's unleashed. I mean, what a badass thing to say. Yeah, and also, as long as we're both opposing Voldemort, then we're on the same side, so you do you, basically. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I will mm-hmm. take you down if I deem it necessary, basically. Mm-hmm. It's a sudden realization from Fudge of, oh god, I have no power here. Uh, there is a god in human form in our presence, and he's decided to act like one. What happens now? Yep, absolutely. Uh, now, in terms of whinging nitpicks, because uh, I every now and then do have a couple, uh, one of the most persistent ones I have in fantasy is that gold, a heavy metal, does not weigh anything. So that very casually, Fudge just drops a thousand gold coins on Harry, which, if assuming these weighed like the same thing as American gold eagles, which weigh like 34 grams each, this man dropped like 75 pounds on Harry's chest with one hand. Kudos to Fudge. Well, Spencer, I like that you do the math. But I would also say that, like, clearly immediately post first book, possibly first half of first book, J.K. Rowling conveniently forgot that gold galleons are supposed to be the size of hubcaps. Well, they're just super thin. That you know, they're, they're, they're like a... Then <laughs> how big's the it's bag? Gold, it's gold it. leaf. It's gold leaf the size of a hubcap. It is the most useless thing in the wizarding world <laughs> just for this purpose. Are you suggesting in, a, like... in a world of useless things. Yes. They're in a single bag. What are they folded like tortillas in the bag to make them work? No, no, no. It, it, it's like a uh, CD holder. But, oh, okay. Or, 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 or for our older folks listening, thank you for listening. The it, it's like record. It's in record sleeves, oh, and you just have. What about for our younger folks listening? Because CDs are antiquated at this point, BJ. Uh, I don't Blu-ray's know what young people count. have. They have they have nothing physical. It's all digital. I don't know anymore. <laughs> Okay. Um, but Sarah, thank you for reminding me of the idea that those things were as big as hubcaps. Completely block that in my head because it's never come up again. <laughs> no, that was that was a poor choice from the very beginning. And I think she realized. Um, very ambiguous line that I'm not going to ask any questions about because I'm assuming you cannot tell me at all. But Dumbledore's line of to Snape, you know what I must ask of, ask you to do if you are ready, if you are prepared. And then just Snape, getting himself ready physically and just nodding and walking out of the room. I don't know what that is, but BJ, like you referenced, these guys have history that has yeah. just not been gone into. And so I, I wonder if this is a, the dark mark can be used as a dowsing rod or something along those. I mean, that's what this feels like. Th- this feels like, you know, double agent kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, which best of luck to him, given that they're already suspecting that he's, you know, gone away forever and won't return. Uh, and just in terms of things to end on, if every chapter can end with a good, solid Molly Weasley hug, I would be happy. Because if ever a man needed a hug after what he's been through, Harry. And I love mm-hmm. the emotional reaction he had to it, too, of where how much they are very much his family. Molly Weasley is very much his adoptive mom in terms of how he treats them and how he emotionally responds to them. And that is always delightfully heartwarming to see. As much as Ron frustrates me, he is still very much Harry's brother, and this is his family. Yes. Uh, so winner and losers. Oh, fuck. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I um 
did briefly remember that this is the thing that I'm supposed to do while I was reading the chapter and then got so confused that I never revisited this question. So I am I am open to suggestions. I mean, may, may, we, may, we all, may we offer nominations that you then select? Please do. Uh, well, in terms of winners, I'd like my fir first nominee to be Dumbledore. Just because... Yeah, oh. I mean, I think Dumbledore is a reasonable choice uh, to have. Uh, I mean, maybe not perfect, but he does... He does show power. He he basically takes out his big wand, and that is the the speak softly and carry a big stick, and he's just taking charge. He's previously been so content just to fade into the background, to function as a guy that's behind the scenes that's just pulling the strings. And here, right now, once he's actually just speak, it's like the old. It's the, I forget what fantasy series this, is, this has come from, but the idea of you know uh, that there's nothing louder than a soft than than than, 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 than a, 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 a normally soft voiced man speaking loudly or something like that. I think it's from yeah. um, King Killer Chronicles, um, the Rage of a Quiet Man or something like that. Yeah. Um, when this man finally speaks up, the entire room goes silent. They yeah. just do as they're told. Even Fudge, the most powerful man possibly in the world, at least in terms of political power, just quails before him and expects that he may not leave this room alive. Yeah. So I mean, I think Dumbledore's a good one. Harry's a pretty good one. He's got his leg out. healed. He gets a a, a, a Weasley hug. Um uh, should we throw? Should we throw in uh, Fox just because it turns out that the man's made the entire story possible in ways we didn't expect, <laughs> and just ca um, and casually is Jesus just healing people while they're having conversations? I think. Um, I, I mean, Snape is kind of tempting, but like Snape, I, I, Snape is tempting. He, like I, I don't know that he's in a better position. He's in better regard from the readers, yeah. and that hasn't been the requirement for winning a chapter for <laughs> us. Um, so I think, yeah, Dumbledore and Harry are ones, the, yeah. the obvious winners. I think Crouch is a, a fairly obvious loser, though that's sort of off screen. It uh, is a little off screen. You could possibly put Fudge in the loser category as well, um, just given yeah. how his interaction with Dumbledore actually goes. Yeah. Yeah, I would say either Crouch or Fudge are probably the best nominees here because one guy proves himself to be a far worse and more incompetent human being than we ever pondered before, and another one had his soul ripped out as an aperitif. <laughs> yeah. So I do think that there is there is an easy winner-loser pair in Dumbledore and Fudge. However, given that, as you reminded us, BJ, usually our qualifications for who actually wins and loses the chapter is who ends up ends off better or mm -hmm. worse at the end mm -hmm. of the chapter. And I would say that for both Dumbledore and Fudge, those are unclear. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, That's Dumbledore, fair. yes, wields a lot of power and goes into sort of uber Dumbledore mode to make things happen. Um and bring people together again, but he does that specifically out of a sort necessity. of ne necessity yeah. and and fear as well. It's not really a success. Yeah, it's yeah. not something that Dumbledore hasn't Dumbledored. He's actually had to be a functioning what? person in the world, and that that might be a losing of the chapter, what? if anything. It's entirely reactionary, um, right. which is not a place Dumbledore likes to be. What? Exactly. It's it's like one of those moments in history where only in retrospect we see this as a momentous, heroic moment that changed the course yeah. of history. This is like Julius Caesar crossing the Rubicon and saying, you know, the die is cast. Mm -hmm. We view it now as, look at the balls on that man, the risk he was willing to take. What it actually meant is, 
I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to roll the dice and hope for the best. Yeah. And, you know, I would, I, I, I think that Barty Crouch Jr. is, despite the fact that it is off screen, um, I mean, this is the first time we've actually had somebody's soul get completely sucked out of them. Like, I think we need to mark this occasion. Yeah. With a firm loss. And just even McGonagall's reaction to it. She's a pretty seasoned yeah. campaigner. She's yeah. a very serious, stalwart person. And she looks like she's about to vomit in a corner having seen this occur. Yes. Um, is this the first real hug that Harry Potter has gotten? Um, from an adult, I think. Like, I think he's gotten hugs from Hermione. He's he's before. gotten I think he's gotten Molly Weasley hugs before just because she's such a hugger. But this yeah. is this, in terms of the ranking of Molly Weasley hugs, which will this will be an extra segment we add in later <laughs> in the series. This one got a rank high. Yes. And so purely, purely bolstered by the Molly Weasley hug. Harry is going to no win this chapter. Tears. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, no faux tears. No, no, no faux fox torture tears. No. Well, uh, uh, questions. Um, th- this is just one practically about whether we can know what the hell happened, but the Hermione noise and then holding something tight in her hand was a really weird way to wrap up this chapter of where it, there's. Mm-hmm. You might, from the fact that it was a weird ending to one chapter, you might be forgiven for thinking that it would come up in our final chapter. Just wanted to be reassured of that fact, because otherwise yeah. it just feels like the oddest of non-sequiturs. Yeah. Um, what are other curse scars doing in the world? What are other what doing in the world? I'm sorry? Curse scars. So we have this line. It's true. He does refer to that as a general You'll forgive term. me, Dumbledore, but I've never heard of a curse scar acting as an alarm bell before. So that means that it's a normal thing in this world. Oh, um, yeah. So like Moody, for example, real Moody and fake body morph moody that he has a lot of curse scars because he has been cursed by like most of what is missing from him yeah is missing due to due to curses and you know we've talked about before that like wizarding uh madam humphrey can cure almost anything but injuries happening as a result of curses are frequently irreversible um, mm. or even magical effects happening because of curses are frequently irreversible. So, like, um, there there are a lot of curse scars in curse scars in the world. Gotcha. Um, okay, they're actually not that uncommon, I would say. And do they have other? It sounds like they have other activities. Do we learn any more about this, or is that just like a throwaway line because we want to discount Harry? Um. I think it's mostly a throwaway line because we want to discount Harry, but Dumbledore does have a scar. Unclear if it's a curse scar or not, but that is the exact uh, map of the London Underground on his knee. So He did reference that. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, One line from Dumbledore as well that I found interesting is that there is a strong suggestion. Well, I'll I'll put it this way. When he says you put the Dementors in charge of Azkaban to fudge, was he using the royal you? Or was this decision made actually during Fudge's tenure to put the Dementors in control of this prison? That's a good question. If I remember correctly, I think it's actually Fudge who did this. Which is fascinating, I had never assumed it was that recent. I thought this mm-hmm. was like a, a holdover sin from a bygone era. I didn't realize this was emergency powers this guy put into effect. So I... let's have the SS guard the war criminal prison. That's essentially Dumbledore's point, yeah. Yeah, um, I can't remember exactly. I did look up 
dementors and what they do at one point, but I don't remember what it said and I don't feel like looking it up again, but I, th I think that this is more recent than we were assuming that it was. Man, that just even further condemns Fudge in my eyes that he would ever think that that was a good idea or think that that was not essentially just a ticking bomb waiting to explode in the worst way. I mean, this really does seem like he's going to use any power source he can because he found something incredibly powerful that he can somehow bend to his will. And, you know, I think that part of that, too, as we were talking about before with the sort of like different types of blood status elitism that we see between Voldemort and kind of run-of-the-mill wizards like Fudge mm -hmm. in positions of power is he thinks that he can bend them to his will because they're not wizards. Right. Um, he inherently like, yeah. cannot stop himself from thinking that, well, you know, these are just magical creatures in the world. Right. Obviously. I can bend them to my will. And, yeah, we as witches and wizards can can hold power over them. I mean, unfortunately, as a paper pusher, he takes a very broad fascination in paper clips. <laughs> uh, you got that one, Speedjax? I think I got one more. Nope, that's all I had for this one. Um, another line that is left orphaned and is not explained at all is that when Harry describes, you know, Voldemort coming back and everything, we get a brief turn of the camera to focus on Dumbledore for a second, and in Harry's words, he's got this weird, excited gleam in his eye. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Is this in the category of things I'm going to wait four books to find out what the hell this is? Or is this something I'm going to find out next chapter? You're going to wait a while, Spencer. <laughs> Mental note, I'm adding it to the very colored chalkboard right now. Yeah. Um, so that's the last of our questions for today. I think that's it for this time. And that means that we uh, are ready to end and talk about what the next chapter is. And Spencer gets to look at the picture. It is. This is our last chapter. And it is, in fact, titled The Beginning. It looks like it's a beetle wearing really snazzy Elton John glasses. Um, yeah, it also has eight legs, so that's a problem in the world. <laughs> Wouldn't have noticed that. Thank you for that, BJ. You're welcome. <laughs> An extremely long antennae. It might be a girl. Mm. <laughs> Y'all, this okay. has been a hell of a ride of a book. I'm very curious to how it, fin to how it finishes out, and I'm looking forward to talking about it with y'all. Sounds good.